Good morning, Orlando. Wednesday morning here at 6 o'clock. Thanks for being with us right off the top for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a Southern California wildfire explodes again, and an Altamont Springs motel is on fire. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Well, the congressional sex swamp's gotten at least a little bit shallower. Conyers is gone. Now, how do we get the rest of these creeps? Let's talk about it next on Good Morning Orlando. Good Wednesday morning. It's 6.02 on News Radio 102.5. The wildfire burning in Southern California's Ventura County is exploding again and now covers 55,000 acres or 70 square miles. The fire about an hour northwest of Los Angeles is completely out of control and has destroyed at least 150 homes and other buildings. Strong Santa Ana winds are driving the raging inferno. Many homes in the city of Ventura are burned to the ground and many more are threatened. The fire has destroyed an apartment complex in downtown Ventura and a behavioral health center. More than 7,000 homes are under a mandatory evacuation. Uh, Fire officials say 27,000 people have been evacuated. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Arab leaders are condemning President Trump's apparent decision to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The White House says Trump will make a formal declaration sometime today recognizing the holy city as Israel's capital. King Salman of Saudi Arabia reportedly called the move, quote, a dangerous step, end quote, that was likely to inflame the passions of Muslims around the world because of the great status of Jerusalem and the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Alabama Republican Senate candidate Roy Moore says he's being attacked from all sides. At a rally last night, Moore said all aspects of his life are under attack, including his character. A number of women have accused Moore of sexual misconduct when they were teenagers and he was in his 30s. President Trump's former chief strategist Steve Bannon joined Moore at the rally. Closer to home, crews are battling a fire at an Orlando area motel this morning. Firefighters arrived at the Remington Inn and Suites in Altamont Springs shortly before 4 a.m. Police were seen knocking on doors to get people to leave as smoke rose from the building located near the uh, intersection of I-4 and State Road 436. So far, no injuries, although one firefighter was treated for smoke inhalation. In other local news, a trial date is set in Orlando for an accused cop killer, even though he was a no-show in court. Markeith Lloyd refused to leave his Orange County jail cell yesterday as a judge scheduled his trial for the murder of Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton. It will start on January 14th, 2019. Four months earlier, next September, Lloyd will stay on trial for the murder of Sade Dixon, his pregnant ex-girlfriend. Are you telling me 2019 or this coming January on that, Deb? Uh, I have uh, 2019, but I will check that date from yeah, the copy. okay, interesting. He's such a lovely guy. He is, isn't he? Markeith? Yeah, yeah. Well, both he and the Tampa serial killer uh, suspect both decided, yeah, no, yeah. I'm not going to show up in court today. i got stuff to do in the cell here. I don't feel cell like here. it. You know, i got to yeah. take a nap. There you go. Jeez. You know, I've got a busy day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> exercise yard nap, exercise yard nap, you know. Hey, Colin Kaepernick has another accolade. I'm sure this will make your day, bud, man. Beyonce made a surprise visit last night, or Tuesday night, rather, to the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year Awards to give the former San Francisco 49er the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award. 
Daily Show host Trevor Noah introduced Beyonce and said Kaepernick's decision to protest police brutality by kneeling during the national anthem sparked a national conversation about race. He also noted that Kaepernick has faced consequences from his actions. Past winners of the award include Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Magic Johnson. Now, you predicted that Time Magazine will name Kaepernick their person of the year. That announcement comes out at 7.30 this morning during our show. You still holding to that? I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but I also wouldn't be surprised if Kaepernick was their first choice, but given the wave of the Me Too movement, I wouldn't be surprised if that would shove Kaepernick out of first place. Yeah, because now you have, um, and this has become a trend with time in recent years, you have groups of people who have been the most influential, for better or for worse, in the country. Right. And the dreamers the got it one year. The sexual harassment thing. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So the Me Too movement. Yeah, you may be right. And finally, President Trump isn't the most retweeted, but he is the most tweeted about. Twitter has released its list of the top 10 retweeted tweets and the top three like <laughs> tweets of 2017. My question is, why do I do this to myself at 6 the o'clock in the morning? Tweets, you, I mean, really? If, if you blow that, you start sounding like Elmer Fudd. you got to be careful, but you did a really good job. Oh, well, just don't uh, ask me to repeat it. Oh, those we, those we tweeted tweets. <laughs> those we tweeted you tweets. crazy oh. wabbit. <laughs> Trump didn't make either list, but his predecessor did. Very good, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Former President Obama had three tweets on the top retweeted list including a post about prejudice on the day of the uh, violent white nationalist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Obama also had two of the top three most liked tweets. Trump, who uses Twitter regularly, as we all know, hopefully, is the most retweeted about politician, not just in the U.S., but around the world. The number one retweet? Want to take a guess what it might have been? I'm just waiting for you to blow this, but you haven't. Not at all. You are flawless. (laughs) (laughs) You won't give me the satisfaction. No, I will not. (laughs) The number one retweet was from a Nevada teenager trying to convince Wendy's to give him a year of free chicken nuggets. Really? Yes, and he got millions of retweets. So he's they gave him the nuggets anyway, but he still has the. Top retweet. Shows what Americans always think about exactly. food. food. There you go. <laughs> the more fried, the better. <laughs> yep. WFLA News Time at 6.07. That voice you just heard belongs to our very own super producer, Mike Yaffe, and you can see him in all his holiday decked out glory this Saturday, December 9th, for the new Hope for Kids holiday bicycle ride. Get the details to see where he's going to be at at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And the voice you will hear if you call us this morning to get on the 50,000 watt front porch will that of our screener, Stephanie, who's alongside Yaffe on the other side of the bulletproof glass. Deb Meister and I are here in the studio. They are in the control room, and the A team is in place. We are ready to go. So much to talk about here. Some terrific topics for your consideration and comment. Our line is uh, open at 407-916-5400. Got a bunch of phone lines for you. Got one text line that's never busy. Way in there at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. We're going to find out about Yaffe's appearance uh, uh, a little bit later, but I want to dive right into um, uh, the John Conyers story. The senior Democrat in the House of Representatives who's held his seat in Michigan... Since 1965, John Conyers hung him up yesterday. But did he resign over the multiple allegations of sexual harassment against him? 
Not exactly as you will hear. Then we're going to talk about how we get the rest of the John Conyers out of Congress. So that's coming right up. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We'll dive right in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. You know, it's really hard to notice the difference in the water level of the green slime in a swamp when you take one gator out of it. Same with the sex swamp in Congress. A big gator has been removed now, but there's still a lot to go. Michigan Democrat Congressman John Conyers phoned into a Detroit radio station yesterday from his hospital room. I told you he planned to do that. He did it at about 10.15 to announce he's not going to return to Washington and the House of Representatives where he has served since 1965. He is out. But if you thought he'd say he's resigning over allegations from at least five women that he sexually harassed and or assaulted, allegedly, he didn't say that. Here's some of what Conyers did say. I am retiring today. And uh, I want everyone to know how much I appreciate the support. And I want you to to know that uh, my legacy will continue through my children. Uh, I have a great family here, and, and especially in my oldest boy, John Conyers III, uh, who incidentally I endorse. Uh, to replace me in my seat in Congress. That's John Conyers. More on the younger Conyers here in a moment. Um, Conyers went on further to say when he was asked whether or not these allegations of sexual harassment and an assault against him by all these women um, would diminish his political legacy. He says, absolutely not. It goes with a game of politics. My legacy cannot be compromised or diminished in any way by what we are going through now. This too shall pass. I'm very proud that I am the dean of the Congress, but he's not anymore. The younger Con- Conyers, his son, uh, age 27, never run for office before. You have to be 25 to be in the House, so he meets that constitutional requirement. Um, he's already had an ethics issue. Isn't that interesting? His old man's had this kind of stuff going on, not necessarily sex-related, but all kinds of things over the years. Uh, back in 2010, it is reported he had to reimburse, uh, the old man did, Uh, the Treasury Department, for more than $5,000 for young Conyers' misuse of a taxpayer-funded Cadillac Escalade. Conyers' wife is lovely, uh, Monica, in 2010, sentenced to more than three years in prison for taking cash to support a Houston company's sludge contract with the city of Detroit. What a crew. You know, and the list is, is growing slowly. They need to get rid of Al Franken in the Senate. Schumer won't pull a trigger on him. He needs to go. More women keep coming forward. Now, there's also, and this is getting less press here, uh, a couple of others here who are part, apparently, or at least allegedly, of the sex swamp in Washington. Uh, the Republican from Texas in the House, Representative Blake Farenhold, um, former aide, accused him of sexual harassment. At the time, a couple of years ago, Farenthold said the whole thing was outrageous. Um, he did settle one of these secret settlements we'll talk about here in a moment. And, uh, you know, he's come under criticism for that. He has re- vowed now to repay uh, the taxpayers on this, but he can't discuss the matter because there was a non-disclosure agreement. 
And then there's a Democrat out of Nevada, uh, Ruben um, Cahoon, I think is how you say it, a 25-year-old woman who worked with him in his 2016 House campaign has accused him of repeated unwanted sexual advances. Pelosi says Cahoon should resign, but it hasn't happened. There is more on this. You know that list that's been kept secret out of the Treasury Department's Office of Compliance of all of these members of Congress who use taxpayer money over the years, since 1997 to the tune of, I think, $17 million at least, to negotiate secret settlements, pay these women in exchange for their silence. The Hush Fund, that list has been demanded by the House Ethics Committee. I have no knowledge that it has been turned over. I absolutely believe that it exists, and a lot of people know who is on it. That needs to be made public. And then I will tell you how Congress, uh, with the partisan split that we have, can actually balance the draining of the swamp. has to do with a kind of reverse Missouri compromise, if you remember your history. If you don't, I'll remind you of it. It's coming right up. That list of the members of Congress over 20 years, many of whom are still serving in Congress, definitely exists from the Office of Compliance. But there's a lot of incentive to cover it up because both parties who have now come out on their moral high horses, which they haven't spent a lot of time riding over the years, and said it's zero tolerance on sexual harassment and sexual assault. You're going to be out of here if that's what you've been into. And both parties are afraid that all of a sudden they're going to lose a lot of key members setting up a lot of special elections and no certainty that they will be able to retain the seat for the party with the, with the split so close in the Senate in particular, I'm sure there's all kinds of concern on both sides. What would the ramifications of this be if all of a sudden we had a whole slew of these resignations? And that's why there's resistance to coughing up this list and forcing people out based on these secret settlements with taxpayer money, Yaffe. Now, I was thinking about this. Maybe one way you could get them to want to do this a little bit more you know, and, and carry through with with riding this moral high horse they're all on up there now, and the zero tolerance on all of this, is a reverse Missouri compromise. As the slavery issue grew in the early years of this republic, leading up to the Civil War in the 1860s, in 1820, and I remember this from my history class, there was a piece of legislation, very controversial, later on, it was undone and ruled unconstitutional years later in the 1850s. But what it did was to balance the free states with the slaveholding states, the Missouri Compromise was that if you admitted a new state, because the, the country was growing, we were adding states then, if you add a free state, you have to add a slave state. So what if we to drain the sex swamp in Congress, what if we engineer a reverse, or they do, Missouri Compromise? If we're going to force for sexual harassment and sexual assault a member of Congress out who's a Democrat, 
We've got to find one who's a Republican and send them out together. One-on-one, a reverse Missouri compromise. What about it, Yaffe? Would that make them more willing to cough up the list, get the names out there, and let the chips fall where they need to fall? Um, I'm not sure if that'll work, <laughs> to be honest. It's a very well, interesting take. I worked hard on that, man. Um, I haven't thought of that since that ninth kind grade of, history. Can't we just, you know, find out who's doing what, no matter what party they are, and if well, they're doing something wrong? Well, they're not going to want to do that. Well, come on <laughs> now. We got four times more Democrats than we have Republicans. We're not going to throw all of them out of there. We're just not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I don't know. Um, how about we just do the right thing? Oh, <laughs> well, we're talking about Congress here. Yeah, yeah I I'm know. Trying well, to be, I'm what trying, was I thinking? I'm trying to be pragmatic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, okay. Supreme Court takes the cake. You want to be here for that in the next half hour. My co-host and partner, Deborah Roberts, updating our news here at the bottom of the hour. Things are very tough in parts of Southern California. What's the latest on those big fires, Deb? Well, those wildfires in Southern California, Bud, are moving through some areas so quickly. Some people say they barely had time to grab important papers and pets before racing for their lives. So we want to be really clear with folks. We have lost structures. We have not lost lives. Do not wait. Leave your homes. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti says more than 150 structures have been damaged or destroyed and more than 30,000 people were evacuated after the blaze erupted near Santa Paula, about 60 miles northwest of Los Angeles. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Back in the uh, Sunshine State uh, on the Gulf Coast, a number of parents attended the latest Hillsborough School Board meeting. Standing in front of a packed room of teachers, they urged board members and administrators to grant teachers a promised pay raise. I urge each of you to keep the focus on building and maintaining the trust you have with our teachers by following through on what they were promised. The families and the children appreciate what you do every day. Superintendent Jeff Eakins has said there isn't room in the budget for a promised $4,000 pay raise. The district made another offer this week of a one-time payout of $92 a teacher. The teachers' union has rejected that offer. Meanwhile, Florida is a right-to-work state, which means unions don't have much clout. But Longwood Representative Scott Plakin still has a problem. I just don't think that it's right for a small percent, a few percent, of leaders of a union to claim to represent 97%. But Representative Matt Wilhite says that's the way unions work, and government too. It may be a few that speak, but it's a majority that make up the union. And that union is strong, and those are the ones that are out there serving you each and every day. Plakin is sponsoring a bill to impose new rules on unions that represent public employees, including public school teachers, but it would not apply to professions that are considered sacred cows, like police, corrections officers, or firefighters. We also want to give you a quick traffic heads up this morning. A section of Douglas Avenue in Altamont Springs remains closed this morning as crews continue to battle a fire at a motel. Dana Dana Ash will have more traffic information every 10 minutes. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Thank you, Deb. Thank you very much. And here is Gina, live from New York City in the Bloomberg Newsroom. And good Wednesday morning to you, Gina. Good morning. Let's check those stock futures, because I know you've been eyeing them this morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, how we did yesterday in the markets. We got some economic reports coming down, so let's mm-hmm. roll. 
All right. Well, today we're watching for ADP's count of private payroll growth for November. That's two days ahead of the big jobs report that comes out on Friday. We also get a final look today at third quarter productivity. The stock futures are signaling a lower Wall Street open as investors continue to wa uh, monitor developments in Washington, D.C. But we've also seen some profit taking happening this week as we get toward the end of the year and traders move out of some of 2017's biggest winners, including the tech shares. Yesterday on Wall Street, we started out a little bit stronger, and in the end, an afternoon slide wiped out those early gains for a second day in a row. The Dow was down 109 points to 24,181. The S&P fell 10, or four-tenths percent, to 2630. The Nasdaq was down 13 to 67.62. And we had the Bloomberg Orlando index down just about one-half of one percent, so roughly in line with what we saw with the broader market. But as we head to the end of the year, we should point out that the S&P 500 is up 17 percent. And if you were with us yesterday for Gina's uh, Bloomberg Business Report at this same time, you'll remember the story that really intrigued me about General Motors coming up with some kind of an app that lets drivers order and make reservations. It sounded like a pretty cool thing, but it's coming under fire this morning. Gina, what's the update? The National Safety Council is taking to task that new app from GM. It's called Marketplace. As you said, it lets drivers order coffee, browse for hotels and other things while behind the wheel. And as you may guess, the council says the app will contribute to distracted driving, already a factor, it says, in a quarter of all vehicle crashes. The group says the application will hurt efforts to stem rising auto fatalities, which grew 5.6% to more than 37,000 in the U.S. last year. GM, for its part, says a major goal of the service is to provide a simpler, safer alternative to using smartphones while behind the wheel. You know, it's not just our imagination. It seems like every time you watch a television news report about the airlines, there's somebody going crazy at 35,000 feet, causing all kinds of problems. They call it air rage, and it's on the rise, as you're noting this morning, Gina. Yes, it's getting uglier. The airlines are being forced to physically restrain an increasing number of disorderly passengers. The International Air Transport Association reports that last year saw a 50% increase to 169 passengers who were forcibly confined for behavior, ranging from verbal and physical abuse to life-threatening actions, including trying to enter the cockpit. Now, while the total number of reported incidents fell by almost 10 percent to 68 uh, to around 9,800, I should say, mm -hmm. the portion that were deemed a higher risk rose from the year before. More than half of the safety rule offenses involve people smoking on board a plane. About a third related to intoxication. 12 percent involved physical assault. It's unbelievable that people think they can get away with smoking on a plane. You know, they've got the X'd out <laughs> cigarette on everywhere mm -hmm. in every plane all the time. And they and make the announcement. remember the days when there were ashtrays on the seat handles? Not me. I'm much too young for that. <laughs> well, I remember it. Okay. I don't believe I'll give that you either. That. <laughs> hey, before you go, a couple of the high-tech behemoths, uh, Google and Amazon, are going after each other. What's this all about? Google has pulled its support for its YouTube video service from Amazon's streaming media devices, citing the Internet retailer's failure to make Amazon Prime Video available through Google's gadgets and the recent halt of the sale of some Nest products made by Google on Amazon. Google said it's taking the action because the YouTube apps on Amazon products are not made by Google, like the YouTube app on the iPhone is, and the retail giant does not sell some Google products, such as Chromecast and Google Home. Amazon said it hopes to 
resolve this dispute as soon as possible. That's a heavyweight fight for sure, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Between those two. Don't get in the middle. No, absolutely not. Gina, thank you very much. We'll look for you tomorrow morning for the Bloomberg Business Report. Have a wonderful day. You too, thanks. Coming up, it's religious freedom versus discrimination against gays as the Supreme Court takes the cake. You'll want to talk with me about this. Much to say, big, big case. All of this and Orlando's news, weather, and traffic updated as well in just two minutes. Stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Merry Christmas to you. So glad you're with us here. Major cases hit the Supreme Court. Oral arguments yesterday in the in the gay wedding cake case, as it is as it is known. Really, the stakes are super high here. This is going to be a monumental decision when it comes down, probably at the end of the Supreme Court term in June. Let me set the stage for you here. Um, it's 2012. A couple of guys, a couple of guys who were getting married out in the Denver area visit the Masterpiece Cake Shop. They want to buy a custom-made wedding cake. But the owner, Jack Phillips, who is a conservative Christian, who knows that the Bible preaches against homosexuality, refuses services, says, I can't bake a cake for a same-sex couple. And all of a sudden, of course, charges of discrimination are flying. This thing works its way up to Uh, various court cases, and now it's going to be heard by the United States Supreme Court. 90 minutes of oral arguments yesterday, massive protests on both sides outside the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. What you have here is much more than a gay wedding cake. You You have a collision between conflicting interests. It pits religious and artistic conviction against discrimination targeting the gay community. And I don't know how this is going to come down. Yaffe and I both agree it'll probably be a very close decision, probably 5-4, but we're not at all sure which way it's going to go 5-4, okay? Um, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, ultra-liberal member of the high court, of course she comes down on the side of the two gay guys here being discriminated against. And she says this about businesses like this cake business, Masterpiece Cake Shop. If you want to be a part of our community, our civic community, there's certain behavior, conduct you cannot engage in, and that includes not selling products that you sell to everyone else to people simply because of either their race, religion, national origin, gender, and in this case, sexual orientation. Then there was Justice Anthony Kennedy. Often the swing vote may be here. He asked tough questions on both sides here. But he said something very interesting. On the side of this man who runs this cake shop, his religious freedom. We always talk about tolerance when it comes to, say, the gay community and other minorities. But what about tolerance for those who simply exercise their constitutional rights to things like religious freedom? Justice Kennedy said, tolerance is essential in a free society. Tolerance is most meaningful when it is mutual. It seems to me that 
The state in its position here has been neither tolerant nor respectful of Mr. Phillips' religious beliefs, and that is absolutely true. By the way, the Trump administration, for the most part, is backing the cake, the cake shop guy, Phillips. Legal experts say this is the first time ever that the federal government has asked for an exception to an anti-discrimination law. That religious freedom in this case should supersede a minority and their right to not be discriminated against. I don't know how this is going to go down. I don't know how this is going to go down. All I can tell you is religious freedom is on the wane in this country, and um, and 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 minority rights. People are just running wild. We know that. It's you know the tyranny of the minority very often in this country right now, and everybody rolls over because they don't want to be labeled a bigot or a racist. So that's what's going on with the wedding cake case, but it's far more than that. Um, how do you think? This should go down. If you were a Supreme Court justice, how would you rule on this based on what I've told you? 407-916-5400. I would come down on the side of religious freedom here. There are many, countless options of other places that those two guys who want to get married can buy a cake. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Join the conversation. Love to have you. Yaffe, where are you in this wedding um, cake case? We both agree it'll be a very close 5-4 one way or the other when the court rules next June. Yeah, I, I'm i not sure where it's going to rule. I have a bad feeling they're going to rule against the bakery owner. Um, but I agree with you, bud. He should be allowed to refuse the service if because it's his business and because if he's forced to do it, that's compelled speech. Compelled speech that's against his religion. Right. And I am against that. Uh, so am I. So am I, absolutely. And it isn't like he's cornered the market and it's the only place you can get a wedding cake. Yeah, well, and not only that, but he was willing to sell them bakery items. He just wasn't willing to decorate it in a way that was for specifically for a gay wedding. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I'm glad you raised that point. Ben and Claremont on that story, what do you think? Well, I think it's an assault and a slap in the face of Christianity, but I also think it's an assault on the American business owner. You're just a manager for the government. Fair enough. How do you think it's going to go down? Well, I have to kind of go with Yaffe. I think they're going to fold up on this. Going to be close. Don't know. Um, like to see it. You know, I'd like to see a blow struck for tolerance of religious beliefs and religious freedom in this country. We're not seeing much of that. Tony, you're in Orlando. Good morning. Hey, good morning, bud. Although I'm against homosexuality and against same-sex marriage, I think that the court ruling should go that uh, you can't pick and choose. Because now what if, what if a Jew owns a bakery and a Muslim comes in and wants him to put uh, Muslim uh, you know, uh, articles on a cake and the, and the Jew refuses to do it? And you run into the same problem or the opposite way. If a Muslim owns a bakery and, he wa- and a Jew wants to star David on a cake, you know, yeah. I don't think you could pick and choose this way. You know what I mean? And that, and, and that is why you think... Um the gay couple are going to win the day with the Supreme Court? Well, I think they're going to win, I, and I don't blame the cake maker. I mean, he had, yeah. he had uh, it's his choice to make it or not to make it, and I think uh, there should be some kind of a fine or something, but I don't think that... Got it. 
then you could pick and choose. Like I said, what if you have a Muslim baker and you don't want to put a Star of David on a cake? There you go. To the text line, Yaffe, what's coming in there? Yes, bud. One person says this, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. The freedom of religion, therefore, outranks the discrimination aspect of the wedding cake case. So they feel they should rule in favor of the baker. Another person says this, this baker was targeted because of his Christianity. Yeah, there there are so many facets to this story, and passions were running high, and we can tell that they are here this morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. Deborah Roberts updating her news at the top of the hour. She reported yesterday on the uh, eruption of those wildfires out in Southern California. They have exploded. She has the latest. And she's going to set the table, Deb Will, for our conversation about the local hero cop from the Pulse nightclub massacre. He's now lost his job in law enforcement. How could this happen? And why has it happened? All coming up. Good morning, Orlando. It's 6.59. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us here on a Wednesday morning at 7 o'clock. Time to bring you the very latest on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning a Southern California wildfire explodes again. And the hero cop from the Pulse shooting is dismissed. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And you'll hear from that officer and. A man whose life was saved by that cop at the Pulse nightclub. How could this happen to this officer? We're talking about it next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 1025. Ventura County homeowners remain in disbelief how a wildfire has caused so much damage in so little time. It's kind of hard seeing your hometown be like this and just to be helpless. Zach Munoz says among thousands of people forced from their homes due to the massive Thomas fire, the fire had burned over 55,000 acres as of late last night and had destroyed at least 150 homes and other structures. Residents near the flames that haven't had to evacuate yet are being told by fire officials to be prepared to leave at a moment's notice if necessary. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. British authorities are charging two men with terror offenses after an alleged plot to kill Prime Minister Theresa May. The suspects will appear in a London court today for alleged conspiracy to launch a suicide knife attack at the Prime Minister's home on Downing Street. Police officials say the men were arrested last week during counterterrorism raids in London and Birmingham. In fact, the head of the MI5 told ministers that British intelligence has thwarted nine terrorist attacks this year. Back home, the trial of the first police officer in U.S. history to ever face a terrorism charge is being delayed. The judge in the trial of D.C. Metro Transit police officer Nicholas Young ordered a one-week delay yesterday so defense lawyers can have time to review new evidence. Jury selection was expected to get underway yesterday. Prosecutors say Young bought hundreds of dollars in gift cards for someone he thought was joining ISIS. In local news, a police officer hailed as a hero during Orlando's Pulse nightclub massacre is now losing his job just six months shy of collecting his full pension. Eatonville Police Corporal Omar Delgado was credited with saving Angel Cologne, who had been shot several times in the June 2016 attack. Also, uh, Delgado was one of the first officers on the scene. Since then, Delgado has been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and has been working a desk job. Last night, though, the Eatonville Town Council voted to pay the officer about $1,200 in accrued sick time. Yeah, but they're still getting rid of him. Uh, At the end of the year here, 
And it just seems so heartless. Especially six months before he'd be fully vested. Just let the man stay for six months. Yeah, we're going to hear from uh, Omar Delgado. We're also going to hear from a man whose life he saved. You talked about this yesterday. And also from the mayor of Eatonville, who's pretty cryptic about this. And, you know, yeah, he, he, he is. won't really. And he's my neighbor. Out. Yeah. And why, why this is going on? You know, why is he doing this? And he says, well, I really can't talk about it. It's yes, complex. It, I, don't, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll lay it out here in further detail. Thanks for setting it up for us, Deb. You're welcome. A panhandle teacher is getting credit for her actions that now has a man in jail. Mexico Beaches' Robert Edwards was arrested last week after a teacher noticed a student's homework assignment contained a drawing depicting a school shooting. The Port St. Joe Elementary School teacher contacted the principal, who then contacted the Gulf County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Mike Harrison tells Channel 13 Edwards admitted he made the drawing, and now he's charged with a felony for making a written threat to kill. In South Florida, a man is wanted for what police call a very brazen burglary. Pembroke Pines police say a thief broke into a marked but unlocked Opalaka police car yesterday morning and stole weapons, ammo, a vest, including an AR-15. The theft was caught on a surveillance camera, and police believe it's the same man responsible for other recent thefts in the area. And finally, a Navajo code talker has died in Arizona. George B. Willie Sr. was one of the Navajo Marines who used their native language to outsmart the Japanese in World War II. Willie served with the 2nd Marine Division from 1943 to 1946. Navajo Nation officials say Willie died yesterday. His family says Willie served in the Battle of Okinawa using the Navajo language to deliver and receive coded messages. Willie was 92, and of course, tomorrow we're getting set to mark uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Absolutely right. The day that will live in infamy, December 7th, 1941. And it will be noted on this show, as it always is, in ways you will probably not hear anywhere else on the radio dial. Please be with us tomorrow for our Pearl Harbor Day edition of Good Morning Orlando. And it was nice on this past uh, Sunday's edition of CBS Sunday Morning to finally know the name or learn the name of the man who was uh, always credited as the unknown sailor who threw a line to three or four men who were stuck on the USS Arizona getting ready to burn to death. And if it hadn't been for that man who'd been arrested for getting into a bar fight and being taken to a, a, a neighboring ship yeah, uh, where he was being held, ordered to stay, he wouldn't have thrown that lifeline to those men and able to save their lives. Well, kudos to CBS for shedding light on that. I missed that on Sunday. I'm going to go back and check it out, Deb. Joe George is his name. Thank you. Joe George. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about the FBI wanting guns back after bad background checks at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. But Edinger, Deborah Roberts, Yaffe at the controls, Stephanie screening your calls. Um, you heard the story. We have more on the Hero Cop, the night of the Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando, who's now losing his job with the police force because of the PTSD resulting from the trauma of that night when he laid his life on the line and saved the lives of others. Can't we do better for this hero? We have to. More coming up. 
Good morning, Orlando, for the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We'll get into this story in detail, and I hope to hear from you at 407-916-5400 or text me at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. All of this right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and that's in just two minutes. Stay with me if you can on News Radio 1025 WFLA. The plight of the um, Eatonville police officer, Corporal Omar Delgado, age 45, wife and three kids, is making national news. Um, there's a story this morning in USA Today. Hero cop of pulse shooting terminated from force. An officer hailed as a hero. After the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, Omar Delgado suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder from the carnage of the massacre. But now he's being let go from the Eatonville police force. And they won't specifically say why. He's just six months from becoming vested in his pension and having lifetime benefits after 10 years of service. They're cutting him loose. The last day of his $38,500 a year job is scheduled for December 31st. What happened that night that so traumatized Omar Delgado? He scoured through bodies that littered the ground and helped survivors get out as Omar Mateen opened fire and massacred 49 people and wounded even more in a three-hour rampage inside the nightclub on Orange Avenue. It's an incredible story. Delgado was so traumatized he hasn't been able to do his uh, normal police duties. He's been on desk duty. He has been working since the attack. He tried coming back to work with his regular job after the shooting. It was on the 4th of July, but the loud bursts of fireworks gave him flashbacks to gunfire. Any of you veterans who are in combat know exactly what he's talking about there. For more than a year and a half, Delgado has awakened to the same nightmare every night. It always starts the same, he says. He's working to get survivors out of the nightclub when gunman Omar Mateen starts firing his rifle. He and the other officers drop to the ground. They don't know where the gunshots are coming from or where they're aimed. Delgado wakes up screaming and sweaty. He can never go back to sleep. It happens every night. It's been going on for a year and a half. That's PTSD. He says, I thought I would have shaken it off by now, but it hasn't happened. Nothing has been right since that day. And now they're cutting him loose when if they could keep him for six more months for crying out loud, he'd be fully vested in his pension to be able to move on with his life. Let's listen to Omar Delgado bemoaning what uh, what, what is happening to him here. They can't find it in their heart to find six more months just so I can be vested and, and then just move on with my life. I needed help. And I guess I'm being punished because I, I asked for help. Now, this is all at the council meeting last night, where Pulse nightclub victim Angel Colon, who credits Officer Delgado for saving his life and the lives of many others, showed up to support the officer. He did his job that night. He rescued lives. He saved my life. And for him to be in this position right now, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And then there's Eatonville Mayor Eddie Cole. He will not be specific about why they're doing this to Delgado. Reporters tried to pin him down last night, asking why Officer Omar Delgado was being let go, and the mayor said this. There are some things that I'm not uh, privileged to say. What can it be about? It cannot just be about money. This man is a hero of the first magnitude. 
we can't accommodate him for another six months? What, what's going on here? How can we do this to a genuine American hero in our own backyard, Eatonville, Florida, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. It is unconscionable to me. Am I missing something here? Is there something that you understand that the Bud Man does not? Please help me. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Eatonville, police officer Omar Delgado. No Merry Christmas for him and his wife and his three kids. The Eatonville Police Department is cutting him loose at the first of the year, six months shy of um, being able to collect his full pension with 10 years of service. He's been on desk duty since the Pulse nightclub. He saved people's lives there. That is documented. He's a real hero. Getting a lot of national attention here. But he was traumatized to the extent he still has nightmares, all kinds of problems. It's post-traumatic stress disorder. I don't think there's anybody who thinks he's faking here. Couldn't we figure out a way to keep this guy on for another six months? How heartless is this? Am I missing something? Susan, you're in Castleberry. Go ahead. You're on yes, with the Bud hi. Man. Good morning, Bud. Um, I think it's really, uh, I like that you had the story about Scott Plakin, whom I don't like at all, who's again trying to union bus, and when this is a perfect example of why we need stronger unions in this country. They wouldn't get away with this if, if he was in a strong union, which I thought police officers were unionized. Well, I don't know if they all are uh, unionized. I don't know what the situation is in, in Eatonville. So you think he's being abused by management. Oh, definitely. But, but how, what do you think their, their reason is for cutting this guy loose? Because they don't want to be paying a pension for the rest of his life that he's earned, that he's six months short of fully earning. Yeah, well, they're already going to pay him a pension, but he would get the maximum benefits if he they, were there for 10 years. They're just trying to cut wherever they can cut to save... To yeah. save their money, I get to. I yeah. don't know. I think it's yeah. disgusting. It's heartless. It really is. Thank you, John. Good morning to you from Winter Springs. What's your thought here? Hey, Bud, man, I disagree ninety-nine percent of the time with you, but I'm happy that you're you're standing up for this guy. He needs help. He does need help, and they need no, to get him no. over the finish line in terms of terms of service for crying out loud. I mean, he is getting some, he is, I mean, he's going to see a psychologist and all of this to deal with the PTSD. This kind of stuff's not easy to deal with. Anybody who's been in combat will tell you that. It's a shame. Stay on top of it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Yaffe, what do you see coming into the text line, and what is your thinking on this as you view the plight of the Pulse nightclub hero cop, Omar Delgado? Well, uh, you keep saying it's heartless, bud. On the text line, I have a bunch of people that agree with you on that. One person says it's heartless right before Christmas and right before he's vested for his pension. They dismiss him. Who's in charge? Ebenezer Scrooge. And one the mayor said. of Eatonville owes the public an explanation for why they are compelled to do this, and he will not provide it. Yeah, another person says we can accommodate 300,000 Puerto Ricans after Hurricane Irma, but Florida cannot let Mr. Delgado work six months, so he's vested something that he deserves. Here's an interesting angle on this from Bobby and Eustace. Good morning to you from Lake County, Bobby. Good job, Budman, as usual. Thank you very much. 
Oh, okay, okay, my pleasure. Uh, Seventeen million has been collected, hasn't it, for uh, uh, victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting? Can't that help him? Well, you know that that's really interesting when you look at it as a victim, not somebody who was shot, but whose life was undeniably altered for the worst. Yeah. Now that's a great, great point. We need to pursue that angle. That's why I open up the phones to the smartest audience in talk radio. You guys, one after another, you fill in the blanks on stories. When I think I've got it all covered, you show me differently, and it makes the conversation so much better than it ever would be if I were just here talking to myself. Terrific. We'll stay on the Delgado story. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Merry Christmas. Glad you're with us. Bottom of the hour. Deb's going to get us up to date on all the news, and we have breaking news within the last 30 seconds. Time Magazine has finally named its Person of the Year. More than one person in this case, Deb, and you had it pretty much nailed. You you said it was perhaps going to be... Well, I thought at first it was going to be Colin Kaepernick, but then I thought the hashtag Me Too movement might have pushed Kaepernick out of first place, and it turns out... That is who uh, Time Magazine has chosen as their persons of the year. They're calling them the silence breakers. Uh Some big-name actresses and others kind of credited with being the first ones to kind of start this Me Too ball rolling. Although that hashtag had been around for a couple of years, they put it back in the forefront. Yeah, and of course, this is all about, um, you know, women who've been uh, sexually assaulted in the workplace, um, sexual harassment, etc. And they've always kept silence until now. The Silence Breakers, Times Person of the Year. Just in. Yeah, just in. Yep. And we've got a, a wildfire nightmare that is getting worse out in Southern California. What can you tell us on that? Three wildfires burning near Los Angeles are now over 65,000 acres and growing this morning. The biggest is the Thomas Fire, about an hour northwest of Los Angeles. The fire has scorched more than 55,000 acres and is completely uncontained. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Pizza Hut wants to deliver beer and wine with your pie. Starting this week, Pizza Hut will test beer delivery first in Phoenix, Arizona. Beer and wine are already served at many Pizza Hut locations across the country that are licensed to serve and distribute the beverages without the need for any third-party delivery vendor. So Hmm. they wouldn't have to go to like an Instacart or a shift or something like that yeah. to be able to l- deliver beer and wine. Pizza plans to expand to wine delivery in January and is exploring both single serving and full bottle options. How do you think they'll do with that beer and wine delivery from Pizza Hut? I think they'll do fantastic. Do you? Yeah. Oh yeah. They'll they'll do really well. Yeah. All all of this delivery stuff is it, doing really well right now. I well, love I, but, I, but it, it's adding the alcohol content to it, you know. And a lot of people do enjoy a beer or a, or a, or a wine with with pizza. I mean, it goes well. So, uh, oh yeah, I think I think it's going to be a winner. Yeah, I do too. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can't have pizza without cheese. And now comes word, just for Doctor K, bud. Doctor Cronhouse. Doctor Cronhouse. My heart doctor. That's right. Uh oh. Turns out, no, this is good news. Okay. Eating cheese every day. Do you like cheese? I love sharp cheddar, extra sharp. Extra I want to pucker when I eat my cheese, <laughs> and that'll do it. You like cheese, Mike? Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Exactly. Stephanie, do you like cheese? Of course. Who doesn't? Exactly. Who doesn't like cheese? And now comes word that eating cheese every day might protect you.
from having a heart attack or stroke. No kidding. I'm going to send that to Dr. K for comment on the house call tomorrow morning in the 8 o'clock hour. Yeah, it's according to a new study where researchers in Britain say eating about one and a half ounces of cheese each day cuts the chance of having a heart attack by 14%. Wow. Yeah, they say... I'll bet you Dr. K's all over that. He's always on to the research, heart-related, and that's an interesting piece of news. It is, because if you think about it, a lot of people who are looking out for their heart health will avoid those foods that are considered high in fat. Yeah. But the researchers say all cheeses are rich in vitamins, minerals, and proteins that help protect against heart disease. Cheese also has high levels of calcium, so... Even though it is high in fat, less of that fat is absorbed by the body. I'll be darned. The study is published in the European Journal of Nutrition. You know, so there you, you all have, have favorite cheeses. I mean, extra sharp cheddar for me and really smelly Roquefort blue cheese or Gorgonzola. I love it. Mm. No, anybody? Mm. A I mean, you cheese? can all guess what my favorite cheese is, right? Why would we guess? How would we know? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's Pepper Jack. Oh, it's yeah, spicy. there you go. Oh, okay. yeah, well, that figures. <laughs> How about you, Deb? I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. I haven't met a cheese yet I didn't love. <laughs> my nickname was Dairy Queen. Give me a 10-pound block and oh, I'm uh, <laughs> hello. set for the weekend. You got it. <laughs> How did you know what I had planned to do tonight? <laughs> you have such an exciting life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything going on, or are we going to save it for later? We'll save it for later. All right, Deb Meisters. Merry Christmas. Lots of Christmas music on the show, and every day during the Christmas season, we've got a Christmas song that we play on Sound Judgment, and we ask you to complete a line, to sing it, get the words right, and you win our prize. We've got a brand new prize today, a movie that's getting a lot of attention. Stephanie, what can you tell us? So, Bud, today we have a pair of passes to the advanced screening of The Shape of Water on December 13th at the AMC in Altamont. From the visionary filmmaker Guillermo del Toro comes The Shape of Water, a beautifully crafted romantic fable that is part love story and part thriller about loving each other, tolerance, and loving our differences. Yeah, it's got a really cool plot, and again, it's getting some really, really great reviews. You get to see it before anybody else, and if you're already getting a busy signal and you're frustrated, you can still join the game and win the game. If you wait for a wrong answer, we open a line immediately for you to call at 407-916-5400. All right, Yaffe's ready to roll the song here. For today's Sound Judgment Game, we feature the Christmas song, My Piano Playing Mom Used to Control My Behavior With for the entire month of December when I was a kid. You'll know it when you hear it. Listen, and when the music stops, use your sound judgment to sing the rest of the line. You get the words right. You're our prize winner. Go ahead, line one, finish it. You'll find out who's naughty and nice. Keep going. What's right after that? I don't know the rest of it. Oh, that's okay. I wanted you to finish the line. You came close. 407-916-5400. There's the open line. Grab it. Line two, you're up next. Finish the line. Don't know. Okay. All right. Santa Claus is coming to town, right? He's making a list, checking it twice. Line three, finish it. 
Jingle bell. Now, line four, you're next. Finish the line. On we now are. Okay, now 407-916-50. He's making a list. Checking it twice. That's the tune. Give me the words, line one. Oh, holy night. Okay. 407-916-5400 if anybody actually wants to win the prize, and I hope you do. Line two, you got a shot. Go ahead. Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, but that's good, but sing the whole line. That's the end of it. The whole line. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. (laughs) Santa Claus is coming to town. Yaffy, what about it? There you go. Congratulations. You're our sound judgment winner. Great job on the song. Great job. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> What's your first name? Where are you calling in from? Ken from Orlando. Tony. Okay, my boy. Ken. K-E-N. Ken. Ken. I can't hear. I don't know what's going on. You're yelling at K-E-N. It. There you go. I think we... K-E-N. We got it done. I'm going to put you on with uh, Steph, and you guys will talk it out, and we'll work out the prize for you, okay? Have a good day. Uh, You too, my friend. How about that? Yaffe, that was a struggle. We finally got there. I'm running way late. You know, my mother, she used to control my behavior the entire Christmas season. No pouting, no crying, and the idea that, you know, that Santa Claus would see me when I'm sleeping and know when I'm awake, I was under total surveillance. I was so good. It was unbelievable. Totally intimidated. I had a great time. When she'd play the piano and I'd sing that song, but the song scared the tar out of me. (laughs) Good morning, Orlando. So good to have you with us here on the 50,000-watt front porch at 8 o'clock as we update you on Orlando's news, weather and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, a Southern California wildfire explodes again. And a state Senate committee okays... A Florida slavery memorial. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Yeah, how do you feel about that? We're building a slavery memorial when we're taking down all the monuments to the Confederacy because people don't want to be reminded of it? I'm not sure I get it. Maybe you can help me next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 1025. Three wildfires burning near Los Angeles now cover more than 65,000 acres and they continue to grow. The biggest is the Thomas Fire. It's destroyed more than 150 homes and other buildings in Ventura County and our northwest of Los Angeles. The fire has scorched more than 55,000 acres and is completely uncontained. This man managed to evacuate from his home with his wife and pets, but says he's not sure if he'll have a home to return to. This is what matters. We're all here. This is our family right here, you know, and the rest of it's stuff. Two other fires are burning within a half hour of the nation's second biggest city. The Rye Fire near Six Flags Magic Mountain theme park is up to 5,000 acres and is only 5% contained. Closer to Los Angeles, the Creek Fire blew up from 4,000 to 11,000 acres in just a few hours yesterday. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Over a month since it was first reported that six women accused powerful Republican State Senator Jack Ladvala of sexually harassing them, Florida Democrats are finally speaking out. Yesterday, the state Democratic Party called for his resignation. It also charged Latvala with mounting a smear campaign against Senate staffer Rachel Perrin Rogers, the only accuser who has come forward by name. The Democratic Party's statement came a few weeks after its own chairman stepped down over allegations of inappropriate behavior. Lakeland is the latest city to grapple with a Confederate monument. There is such a monument in the city's Munn Park. Many residents want it moved, but City Commissioner Edie Yates says the commission should tread lightly. I'd like to have your grandmother's plot moved just somewhere else just because somebody this wants to plot. move it. This isn't a plot. This but is a people spec. see this as a, a remembrance of their dead and fallen and deceased relatives. Commissioners still approved by a 4-3 to three vote to have staff begin the process of moving the monument. In the meantime, one of the most outspoken conservatives in the Florida legislature says thanks for being civil. Senator Dennis Baxley of Ocala took a lot of heat back in the spring for opposing the creation of a slavery memorial while he supported public display of Confederate monuments. But Baxley thanked Senator Dale Roussan for changing his mind about the slavery memorial. I can have a different way of looking at things sometimes, but I do know your compassion and you're always ready to help work with me and help me get to where I need to be rather than uh, raining down fire on me. Baxley knows all about that reign of fire. He got a world of grief uh, two months ago for suggesting some of the people who died from overheating in a nursing home after Hurricane Irma would have died anyway of natural causes. Yeah, there was a furor over that, and I think in that case perhaps rightly so. But maybe I'm the only one out there who has questions about, in the midst of this headlong movement to remove all visible symbols of the Confederacy, we are going, and slavery, we are going to build a memorial to slavery. I don't get it. We're talking about it next, Deb. Thanks for setting it up, because I think a lot of folks were not aware of what's unfolding in that regard in the legislature. Yeah, definitely. And finally, the U.S. Capitol will get into the Christmas spirit this evening. The Capitol Christmas tree lighting ceremony is set for 5 o'clock Eastern time and is open to the public. The 68-foot, nearly 14,000-pound Engelman spruce was placed on the West Front Lawn after arriving from Montana last Monday. Lighting the Capitol Christmas tree on the West Front Lawn has been a tradition since 1964. WFLA Newstime 807. Read about how you can join Mike Yaffe for the New Hope for Kids holiday bike ride at 1025wfla.com coming up this Saturday, December 9th. Right now, the third hour of Good Morning Orlando gets underway. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. I don't understand it. Maybe you can enlighten me. We got to remove all these symbols of the Confederacy because people, primarily but not exclusively, blacks don't want to be reminded of the era of slavery. So now we're going to build a memorial to slavery, thereby reminding blacks and everybody else of it, and everyone is fine with that. I, 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 can we talk about this? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. I'll give you a little bit more here, put a little flesh on the bone that uh, Deb just provided a moment ago, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. 
Merry Christmas to you. Great to have you with us here on the Wednesday edition of Good Morning Orlando. Um, this won't take long to set up, thanks to uh, Deb already having done some of my work for me on this issue of the uh, plans moving quickly. This will all come up for a vote in the legislature in the session that begins in January, and I have no doubt, based on what's going on up there, uh, that it will pass. They are going to they're going to they're going to wind up within a year or two building a slavery memorial at the Florida Capitol. This is sponsored by St. Petersburg area Democrat Senator Darrell Rousen. He says the memorial, quote, would recognize the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery in Florida and the rest of the nation. Of course, Florida was part of the Confederacy during the Civil War and was a slave state. Now, this week, the latest in the successful efforts to remove from public view symbols of the Confederacy. It happened in Lakeland. Debs brought you the story. Big Confederate soldier memorial in the middle of Munn Park, very prominent in Lakeland. Four to three vote by the local lawmakers, and that's going to be removed. A man who spoke against that Confederate memorial said this, free us from your history. You don't bring a community together by still reminding me of the past. I don't need to be reminded of this. I need you to free me from this. Well, if that is and he was black, and if that is how he feels, and I believe he speaks for many on the issue of these Confederate monuments, and the whites are rolling over and playing dead on this because if they don't, they get accused of being racist. And nobody can bear that, whether it's justified or not. Racism is awful, but being labeled a racist when you're not is awful as well. So free us from this history. We, we can't come together by being reminded of this era. Get rid of that Confederate soldier. At the same time, boy, we got to have a slavery memorial at the Florida State Capitol in Tallahassee. Well, isn't that going to remind people who don't want to think about slavery and that awful chapter in American history? Isn't that just a reminder all over again? It is by very definition from the black lawmaker sponsoring this who says the memorial would recognize the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery in Florida. Is it not a constant reminder the way the monuments are? But the slavery memorial, good, Confederacy memorials bad? How can that be? Do you see the inconsistency here, the irony here? Maybe the hypocrisy here? Or am I the only one who sees that? I think I'm about to find out from you. Join the conversation. Let me have it if you want. 407-916-5400 is my number. My text line's always open at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. i got to get Yaffe in on this. I'm not sure he sees it my way. He was looking at me funny from the control room. That's never a good sign. <laughs> but I really want to hear from you. Do you understand where I'm coming from on this? or am I, Is there something I don't get? Every once in a while, i got a blind spot, you know? 
Maybe I have one here. How, how do you explain what seems to me to be irony, inconsistency, and yes, some hypocrisy? A lot of Floridians, mostly but not nearly all, African Americans are driving the removal of longtime symbols of the Confederacy, monuments all over the place. Buddy Dyer, just on his own, took one out of the Lake Eola area and banished it to a corner of a cemetery. Just unilaterally. Incredible. And the people who are driving this, mostly black activists, say, come on, I don't want to be reminded of the era of slavery and what my ancestors went through. Guy speaking up in the uh, monument debate down in Lakeland, I quoted before, said, you know, you don't bring a community together by still reminding me of the past. I mean, I don't need to be reminded of this. I need you to free me from this history. Now, how will he feel when the legislature moves headlong, and they're doing it now because nobody wants to vote against this because you're a racist if you do, Probably why some of you are not calling me, because someone will recognize your voice, and if you're on my side, you're going to come off, oh my goodness, he's a racist. He's not coming to the next neighborhood party. I know that voice. I don't know what's going on out there, but he's going to be okay with a slavery memorial being built in the Capitol when he can't tolerate a Confederate symbol that makes him think of slavery in the middle of a park in Lakeland? Come on, there's no consistency here. I see a certain measure of hypocrisy. Rob, good morning from Orlando. Hey, bud, how you doing? I'm, I'm fired so up. Glad to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, this here is simple to me. It's the it after the, after the Civil War, everyone came together. That's what all these uh, memorials were for. So it brought people together. Man, uh, I don't know about that. Reconstruction was pretty rough, and the the wounds of uh, of, of slavery, segregation, and discrimination oh, are tough. deep it's to true. this day. You know it's true, Rob. I don't know if I can oh, go down yeah. that idealistic road with you. But I think the slavery memorial up there just shows how evil and bad America is, and that's what the Democrats want. They they don't like America. But the Republicans are in on this, too. The House last year, it didn't make it through the Senate, voted 118 to nothing. It's full of conservative Republicans. Guilt-ridden. White mostly not going to vote against this. If they do, they're called racist. That's what's going on, Rob. Yaffe, go ahead on this. Um, Well, I completely understand your point. And I think getting rid of the Confederate monuments does kind of erase history. But most black activists that I hear, or most people that are against the Confederate monuments that I hear, they tell me they're against it, not because they want to erase history, but because they feel like those monuments, those statues glorify the Confederacy. Mm. And they're, they're upset by the glorification of it. And mostly their goal is to refocus what we learn about history, yeah. which is the problem I have. But a lot of black activists, all they want to do is remind us of slavery. Talk about how bad America was back then because of slavery. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the guy who was railing against it, a black guy down in, in Polk County. Yeah. I mean, that guy, he would have to be against this. Be- oh, I don't because know. Because he totally makes your point. I'm going to try to find him. I got his name. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. 
the Southern California wildfire, I mean, it, it was it was just getting going yesterday when Deb reported on it, has exploded again. And we got them all over the place out there. She'll give you the very latest. It's really frightening. And a homeless man who helped a stranded motorist buys a house. Got to be a great story behind there, as only Deb can deliver it. My co-host and partner, Deborah Roberts, here. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. She's next at 8.30. Don't miss her news. And good morning to you at 8.29 now. Merry Christmas. Great to have you with us. Uh, Deb, you got it started, our topic of the hour. They're going to build a slavery memorial, and all the entire legislature, Republicans and Democrats, pretty much are, are unified in voting for this. And uh, I wonder why that is not an offensive reminder of slavery that so many find the Confederate monuments to be that are being removed. Well, Dave from Melbourne might be uh, able to help you, bud. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Deborah. Uh, look, I, this is really a bad idea in a lot of fronts, but what bothers me is that this perpetuates this white privilege, class envy, and perpetual white guilt. You're just going to inflame the passions of people and continually remind the black people how bad they had it. And uh, it goes on and on with continuing to make white people feel guilty for a past they never had. My ancestors came to this country 50 years after the Civil War and had nothing to do with slavery. But as a white person, I would have to feel guilty every time I pass one of those monuments. And it creates a political divide that feeds the passions and fuels the black movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, whatever you want to call it. Well, it's it's interesting. I don't know how we heal in this country if we keep on, you know, if we keep on picking at the scab. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We yeah. need to uh, get past this. Teach the right thing in history mm-hmm. in classrooms. We should know about our past, but not put memorials up to uh, inflaming a very sensitive issue. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Welcome in from the coast in Melbourne. And uh, one and all, Deb's going to get us up to date on the news. And way out west, 3,000 miles from here. It is really scary. Yeah, where the wildfires in Southern California are moving through some areas so quickly, some people say they barely had time to grab important papers and pets before racing for their lives. So we want to be really clear with folks. We have lost structures. We have not lost lives. Do not wait. Leave your homes. Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti says more than 150 structures have been damaged or destroyed and more than 30,000 people were evacuated after the blaze erupted near Santa Paula, about 60 miles northwest of Los Angeles. And now they're looking at a new wildfire that has just popped up. Right now it has shut down a major interstate in Southern California. Uh, Not thousands of acres at the moment, but they have fire crews up and down the Golden State are on alert um, because the fire yesterday, the Thomas fire, jumped another freeway. And and so they're they're just trying to keep a handle on this. Yeah, and this is the second round over the summer, Northern California in right. particular, but also around Anaheim and Southern California. And here we go again. Yes, we do. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. All right, so let's do a little bit of good news today. Oh, yeah, we're hungry for that. And it's a great story, too, bud. A homeless military veteran and former paramedic, EMT, who spent his last $20 on gas for a stranded driver in Philadelphia now has a new home. Johnny Bobbitt Jr. said on his GoFundMe page he bought a home over the weekend. Kate McClure and her boyfriend are the ones who set up that GoFundMe page for Bobbitt after he helped her when she ran out of gas on an I-95 exit ramp late at night. All alone, he approaches her car. I guess he's a homeless veteran again. He was normally seen 
at that exit ramp, mm-hmm. panhandling for money. Right. She said when he first approached her, she was a little like, hmm, a little scared. How is this going to go? Right, exactly. And he said, don't worry, I got you. Took his last $20, walked to a gas station, came back with a gas can. <laughs> oh, God, love him. But his selfless act bud led to nearly $400,000 being donated through his page money. He says he will continue to donate to other excellent causes um, and help other military veterans like himself get back on their feet. And so, by his good deed, he winds up homeless no more. Exactly. What exactly. a story. Says Woo. he's going uh, to buy himself a new truck as well, and he's going to go get his certification once again so he can become a paramedic. And his story is just like so many other homeless people that you tend to assume that you know their circumstances. Mm-hmm. Now, he had moved to Philadelphia to get a job as an EMT. That job fell through, which meant the apartment he was trying to rent fell through. Mm-hmm. He thought a, a couple of nights on the streets would be it. It's turned into years. Wow. But life can turn around, you yes, know. Yes, it can. One Just selfless $20 act, and the next thing you know, you're $400,000 richer. Story of the day. Deb, thanks for that. You're welcome, bud, You've man. you lifted us all up, right? I'm sure you're feeling better. And, uh, and we're going to try to keep that going right now to get you more informed than anybody else in the office about a host of major issues. It is coming right up in a moment in a special live report. Something a little different for you right now. We're going to give you a cram course on some of the most important topics of the day, and you will be the best informed worker around the water cooler this morning. Thanks to our good friend, News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Bill Zimfer, who is on a host of the top stories. As always, good morning and welcome to the 50,000 Watt Front Porch, and good morning, Orlando Bill. Uh, thank you, Bud. Good to be with you again. And yeah, there's just a few things going on in Washington <laughs> right now. How about we start with John Conyers? He it hasn't really resigned over the sexual allegations, but he's retired, admitting to nothing, and he's out. What else can you tell us? Well, uh, yeah, he has retired, longest-serving member of the House, and John Conyers continued to deny the allegations against him. He is 88 years old, and he was hospitalized this week on stress-related problems. Uh, But, uh, yeah, he is resigning, but he is also trying to pass the torch to his son, John Conyers III, uh, who will run in a special election. But get this, bud, there could be a family feud coming up here. Ian Conyers, who is a Michigan state senator, says he will run in the special election as well. It is yet to be scheduled, but we may have a Conyers runoff for yeah. that vacant seat. Yeah, it's a son and a grandnephew, I think, here. Very, yep. very interesting. But Conyers Sr. is gone now. Now we have a special Alabama Senate election. Roy Moore, the last I've checked, is doing reasonably well in the polls and ahead in some. Yes, he is, Bud, and uh, he had Steve Bannon in Alabama last night to campaign for him. Uh, although, if you look at the polls on this, it is very, very difficult to predict these special elections because you're never quite sure what kind of turnout you're going to get. Uh, so uh, while Roy Moore is leading in some of the polls, uh, just take that with a grain of salt because you never know what's going to happen. What has been the startling thing here is the turnaround by the Republican Party, uh, where Mitch McConnell a few weeks ago yeah. said that Moore was not fit to serve in the Senate, now says, the people of Alabama should decide. The RNC is behind him, and of right. course, President Trump is behind him. One o'clock today, the president speaks on moving the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Very controversial, maybe violence in the Middle East. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, this isn't just packing up the Mayflower truck and moving. This is 
huge. In fact, one person described it as creating a geopolitical earthquake in the region. No other country has their embassy in Jerusalem or recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. The reason is this. Mideast peace is based on creating a Palestinian state that would have East Jerusalem as its capital. Uh, Palestinians say that basically puts a dagger in any chances for Mideast peace. There are already demonstrations underway, and everybody from Every uh, country leader, Arab country leader, to the Pope, to Germany, to the U.N., to the E.U. has come out with yep. a negative response to this decision. All right, listen, I'm going to lose you in 30 seconds. You've got other obligations, Bill. Anything new on tax reform and the prospect of a government shutdown? Well, but I'll tell you what, just when you thought that Congress was getting into maybe a legislative groove, moving things through quickly, tax reform moved through the House and Senate at lightning speed, things are slowing down. We don't even have our conference committee set yet. The House has theirs, the Senate doesn't have theirs. Got to wait till that happens, till any tax reform negotiations can continue. As far as the shutdown goes, beginning to see a divide now. A couple of days ago, I would have said no shot at a shutdown. Now I'm beginning to wonder that meeting at the White House tomorrow is going to be very important. Bill Zim for our national correspondent, 1025 national correspondent, best in the business. Thanks for the crash course. Folks are going to really know what they're talking about when they get out of the car and head for work in the office. Thanks to you, my friend. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, bud. Good deal. In a moment, you're going to hear Time Magazine announce their person of the year. And we'll see what you think of the decision. And we'll be sure to let you know what we think. 407 916 text line 23680. Merry Christmas. Great to have you with us. Right in the middle of the show, live on the Today Show on NBC, Time Magazine unveiled its Person of the Year, a Time Magazine tradition that goes back the better part of a century. Listen to the announcement. Yaffe grabbed the audio. Did they get it right? The 2017 Person of the Year is the silence breakers, the voices that launched a movement. This is the fastest moving social change we've seen in, in, in decades. And it began with individual acts of courage by hundreds of women and some men too who came forward to tell their own stories of sexual harassment and assault. Wow, the silence breakers, and, and again, it's, it's this whole thing we're now seeing across Hollywood and across um, Washington and across society, really, of women who are always silent, always silent, silent no more, and coming forward about how they have been abused, harassed, assaulted, primarily in the workplace. And the silence breakers... Times Person of the Year. Interesting choice. Recently, they've, they've several times gone the group route, okay? And, uh, and, and Yeah, a couple of years ago, it was the protester, I think. Right, something like ago. that, yeah. yeah. What about it? Is that the right, uh, is that the right uh, decision on that? What do you think? You know, I, it is a pretty good decision. They, they definitely have made an impact. I thought maybe it would be Jeff Bezos. Because what Amazon has done, especially in the past couple of years. They're taking over the world. Do you think time got yeah. it right with the uh, the women coming forward on sexual harassment and assault? The silence breakers, as they call them, Times Person of the Year, 407-916-5400. I thought it might be Robert Mueller. Um, Deb thought, she's in the newsroom right now, so she can't join us, uh, that it would be Colin Kaepernick for the NFL protest. It doesn't necessarily mean the best person. It means the most influential. Yeah, I mean, they were influential, but I don't think they were more influential than the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Movement. Yeah. The one thing I found really interesting, though. What's that? 
is on all the pictures in the magazine and everything of the women that spoke up. Yeah. I don't see anything about Gretchen Carlson Fox from Fox News. News. She's really the one who started all this Roger with, her, with Roger Ailes. Yes. And they really don't even mention her. Well, they hate Fox News. That's probably why Megyn Kelly gets a little bit of ink on yeah. this. But then again, NBC had the deal with time to broadcast the announcement. So Megyn, who's limping along with her lame hour of today and nobody likes her, I think they wanted to uh, you know, showcase her a little bit. I mean, they hate Fox News, but maybe they also hated Roger Ailes. So you would think maybe they would highlight that. I don't know, maybe because she's conservative. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was very strange because she doesn't get enough credit. She's the one who started all this. Stephanie, our screener, your boy didn't make it this year. He made it last year, though. Yes, he did. President (laughs) Trump. So who do you think should have been picked, or do you think they got it right? I think they got it right, to be honest. Um, You know, they're showing that enough is enough of sexual harassment in the workplace, Mm -hmm. and I think they did a good job. Okay, okay, fair enough. Fantastic. Yaffe, what are you going to be up to this weekend? Talk about that um, holiday charity bike ride. Yes, it is for New Hope for Kids. It is this Saturday at South Seminole Middle School in Castleberry at 4 p.m., a bike decorating contest and then a bicycle ride. Terrific. Hey, find out all about the Trans-Siberian Orchestra's Miracle on 34th Street Christmas in New York. Jackpot prize. I mean, it's unbelievable. You can go with three friends to a VIP holiday trip to New York City, see the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, free airfare, hotel accommodations, $1,000 shopping spree, front row tickets. Just download and open our free iHeartRadio app and search the keyword TSO to become an instant finalist. Check out our website, 1025WFLA.com, keyword TSO. Catch you tomorrow morning. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks so much for your time. God bless you and God bless America.